What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And that just really got to me. I said, you know, I've worked so hard to be where I am Mm -hmm. to be paycheck to paycheck. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I am Barbara Gindi, your host and also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. I am here today with my guest, Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm such a fan. Oh, good. Actually, how did you find out about the podcast? I never I never asked. Um, I think it started with my debt-free journey early this year from January, February. And I kind of just dove into social media and then I came across your page. And this is me thinking most likely that's what happened. And then um, I kid you not, I listened to every single episode during my side hustle, which we can probably get into a little bit later. But yeah, that's kind of how I how I came across this podcast. Awesome. Uh, well, okay. So uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk about the debt-free journey. So tell me, so like how old you are, where you are, yeah. what your income is, job, all of that. Yes. I am 27 years old. Um, I am from San Diego, currently single, um, well engaged. So, and I am, I make 80,000 yearly. Perfect. And is that with the side hustle or? Oh, so the side hustle, I, I still have the side hustle actually. So with the side hustle, it's approximately $600 a month. Oh, that's a great side hustle. Yeah. And then what do you, what do you do for your career? Um, I work in human resources. Okay, perfect. And then so that you're salaried at 80,000 gross a year. Okay, perfect. So should we go through your budget first? Or do you want to tell me about this debt-free journey? I think I can tell you about the debt-free journey. Okay. Because it well, it's not taking too much of my budget anymore. Just to kind of give you backstory, um, I this is a new employer. I was I was I was with a different employer about two months ago. So January through about August, I was with my previous employer, which I was making sixty. Oh my gosh! So you got a huge bump up. Yeah, and. It was a less demanding job. So I worked about 35 to maybe just closing out the 40 a week. I mean, that's still a lot, but you know. (laughs) It's still full time. (laughs) And I was, and it was just a little less mentally draining. So I picked up the side hustle of, it's called Shipped, like ship, but with a T at the end. Um, Very similar to Instacart. Okay. So I was working that about 20 to 25 hours a week after my nine to five. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I worked that for about six months and we, so we tell me your schedule is like when you're doing that. So go to your first job. Yeah. So I would do my first job and I was working from home. So thankfully that was like a, a help. Okay. I was working um, maybe your 8.30 a.m. to about to about 4, 4.30 p.m. And I was in the school system side, so I worked school hours, basically. Okay. Um, and 
after that, I would leave about 5, 5.30 and start my little side hustle. And then I'd be home by like 10. So, I mean, it was still a long day. That's a really long day. Yeah. But you know, Barbara, I enjoyed this. I mean, I still enjoy it. Um, And it's like Instacart. So you go to the store, Target, Walmart, Bonds, whichever you have orders and you shop for people and you deliver. And it's, it's pretty amazing how much you can make on this side hustle. Yeah. And when I started in January, I had credit card debt of about 16,000. And I knew that I was going to get engaged soon and like I had to do something about it. So I really buckled down that those last six months and I just side hustled until I, I, now I, I think I'm at maybe 2000, which is totally doable in my opinion from, from where I was. Oh, absolutely. That's kind of, that was like my, my little background nuts. Every single trip to the store to do my orders, I was listening to your podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, the nice thing about that type of side hustle is you are doing it by yourself, right? So you can listen uh-huh. to music or you can listen to a podcast or. Yeah. And it's so inter- entertaining. You get your workout in because you're up and walking and down in the, the aisles and whatnot. So I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Good for you. Yeah. So then the employer I was with, it was just like I said, it wasn't too, I didn't feel like I was advancing my career. Okay. So then I was able to make a switch. Um, I increased my, my salary increased, but it is more demanding. So my side hustle decreased. I, but I would argue, so you were making 600 a month with the side hustle, right? No, I was, when I was dedicating that much time, I was making close to two grand a month. um, And they weren't taking out taxes. So that was pre-tax. Gross. Yeah, pre-tax. Oh, wow. 2000 a month you were doing. Mm -hmm. Good for you. That's awesome. I'm super impressed because since you've listened to the podcast, you know, I really recommend, you know, if you don't want to go on a super strict budget or also if you have the time of doing a side hustle, I'm always about picking up extra income if you can. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, 2000 a month is a lot because that mm-hmm. works out to be 24000 a year mm-hmm. in extra mm-hmm. income. So actually, but your new job now with bumping yourself, because that was a pre-tax with, with that 2000 a month, right. your new job really bumps you up 20000 So you're right there. And it's less, it, what are the hours? I know it's yeah. probably not an apples to apples comparison because if it's 40 hours, but mentally draining, it's different than a 40 hours where you weren't as challenged. Right. So now I'm at that 80, 80K and I work about 45 hours a week. Okay. Maybe just depending on the job and the week and the month, it could be a little more and it is more mentally challenging, but that's kind of what I was looking for okay. anyway, but I, I have my evenings back. So it's just kind of a, you know, I, I do think it was a good switch, but it is, and you know, it's, it's, I think it was a good, good change. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Cause you're progressing in your career. You got to pay a pay bump. So let's talk about, so you're doing, that's your full time, your 80,000. So let's talk about your budget a little, and you're not doing any of the shift anymore, or do you do it like when you feel like you have availability? Yeah, I'll do it maybe Saturdays or maybe once throughout the week, just depending. And if I dedicate a Saturday morning, um, like I did last week, I made maybe 180, just those three, four hours. That's great. Okay. So you could even do it if you felt like if you just needed some extra, can you just, is it flexible? Can you just like go online and pick it up? 
Yeah, you can just add yourself on the schedule. That's perfect. That's great. Yeah. Good to know. I had never thought about that one as a side hustle. Okay, perfect. So let's go through your budget. And then do you want to use just the eight? Like, do you want to just talk about your income and then the shift would be anything extra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can definitely do that. Um, so I, um, get paid 26 paychecks a year. Um, and my current monthly income net is 4,200. So per check, it's about 2,100. Perfect. And so for all of our lovely listeners, we don't hear the 26 paychecks often, but that means you literally get paid every two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Not the first or the 15th or the fifth and the 30th or whatever. Right. Perfect. And then with your company, do you have a 401k and health insurance that's taken out of that number? Like before you get to the 4,200? I do have health insurance um, and that's about $75 deduction maybe. Um, but, the, yeah. but yes, that's 2,100 is exactly what hits my account as of right now. Um, and then as far as a 401k, they do offer 401k, um, but they don't, they have a pension. So, oh, this is music, music to my ears. Yeah, I know. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that just because I'm not too, I don't fully understand the pension, um, program or system or how that works. And then also I feel like I'm only 27 and I, I know you would have to dedicate years to the company and you know that's kind of a little bit frightening yeah so pensions um are really I think really great but usually and this is just high level not specific to yours but usually you need like 20 or 30 years with the pension company or with the company that's offering the pension or with the job that's offering the pension to get the maximum and then to be vested meaning you to be eligible for any amount it's usually 10. Mm -hmm. I know it's five here Oh, okay. Well, that's even better. So it's five years to be vested. Okay. So that's not, that's not terrible to get vested in it. Right. So if I were to leave, let's say in 10, I would then have some sort of like, just this pension would follow me and it would just kind of stay there for at the 10 year mark type of thing. Well, we, we have to look through your specific benefits, but to give you an idea of how it usually works is after five years, you would be vested, meaning you're eligible for the pension. It would be a smaller amount, right? Because you only put five years in. And let's mm-hmm. say usually your maximum when the pension is going to be when you hit your 20-year mark or your 30-year mark. And and then usually there's an age component. So it's like if you did 20 years and you're 65, it would be more versus if you did 20 years and you were 50, right? Right. Because usually with pensions, you have a lot of government workers, so they could be much younger. So if they're 30 years, right, they started at mm-hmm. 22 and they're 52, they're 30 years and they're, you know, still under the, you know, in their fifties, they mm-hmm. would be full, the maximum. So it just depends. You have to just like read through the, the pension. It can get a little bit complicated, but so for instance, if you did five and you're vested, but then you stay and work and you leave after 10 years, you would be eligible for a pension depending on when they offer the start dates so It'd be 55, 65, and you'd be eligible for the years that you work. So it would be a 10 year would be one of your factors. And then they would take it. Usually they do some sort of multiple of your salary. Mm-hmm. And then it would start at whatever ages they list, you know, when you're mm-hmm. eligible. Right. So you would have something. So you wouldn't have the maximum, but you would have something. Usually if you've at least you've best, if you stayed another five years, you would have some amount. Maybe let's just throw out 
you would get $750 a month for your pension starting at age 65. And they should have in your benefits or your benefit department should be able to tell you approximately like how the the number works. Like, is it 60% of your salary? And and they should be able to kind of give you an idea of what the numbers look like. And they, they won't give you firm numbers because even usually when people retire with a pension, it takes the the pension benefit people usually like six months to get to the firm number, which got it. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely something I'm, I'll look into with more detail. It's the first time I've ever worked with an employer that offers a pension or even in known much about pensions other than the podcast, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something I'll look into. And then just being so young, it's, you know, it's, in, it's, you would want to stick for about 25 years, but that seems like a long time from now. So we'll yes, see. and you can always reevaluate it because Natasha, who has come on the podcast, she also she's a government worker, so she has a pension as well. Besides, you know, she can put away into the, a government version of a four hundred one k. It's a four fifty seven, but her pension, in order to vest, is ten years. So after te- like, what I'm hoping Natasha does is after ten years decides that she want to stay in that role or if she wants to do something else because then at least she vested and she'll get something when she retires. Right. And so then, five. got it. So they also offer, I think it's um, 403B. Yeah, it's a 403B. But they don't match that. So, That's, that is totally normal with a 403B. Okay. Because typically when you have a pension, you will see it, also with a 403B or with a 457. And those are non, most often are not matching. Okay. And then would you still suggest um, I, I would contribute, I should contribute to that? Oh, yes. I love the workplace plan. Got it. Okay. That was my, my question. I said, if, if it's, you know, do is it one or the other, or you can still just do both? So, okay, that sounds good. Um, so as of now that I've been here for the two months, I haven't enrolled and started contributing to that 403B. So so the reason why I like it is because it's a disciplined approach to investing for your retirement. Mm-hmm. And I think that to get really good results, it takes, you know, boring behavior. You have to be disciplined and it's pretty boring and it's just consistency. And so the workplace plan, you know, exhibits all of those traits that we're looking for. So the money would go in literally every two weeks for you, not even the first and the 15th, but every two weeks of the calendar year. The investment options inside of your 403B have been selected and approved, meaning that someone's reviewing those investments for you. So when you go into 403B, there'll be a menu of different investment selections you can pick. So you're not going in and there's 8,000, right? They've Mm -hmm. culled it down. And, you know, some plans only have eight or 10 options. Some plans have 20, but those have all been reviewed and selected. And then somebody else, because it's a workplace plan, is going through and saying, okay, are we happy with all of these investments? And you'll see throughout your career that sometimes when you're in a workplace plan or for those listening, that the company will come in and say, actually, we're getting rid of this one investment and we're switching it to this one, or we're getting rid of the company that's managing our investments and we're switching to another one. So people are reviewing it. So that's very beneficial too. Um, and you have a higher contribution limit with the workplace plans than you do if you were to do it on your own. So Got that's it. another benefit. You could put a lot more money away in your workplace plan. Yes. Okay. I do, I do know that compared to like a Roth. Yes. And you can you can always do 
both. And let's talk about your budget. But the other thing I was just thinking is if even if you worked like one Saturday, you know, a month, you know, you made 180, that money could go into a Roth. Right. Right. Okay. Sounds good. So I can get into my budget if you'd like. Yeah, let's hear it. Perfect. So I currently live um, not with my fiance. I'm still with a couple of roommates. Um, We rent uh, a house together. One of the roommates, her mom owns the place. So thankfully, we don't have to worry about a lease or anything. Um, And it's a four bedroom and it's four of us. So when I moved in there about two years ago, I'm there renting a room technically um, paying for the rent of a room, but we use the entire house. So with that, I do rent the master bedroom and I currently pay $1,021. Nice. That's a good, a good price for, because I heard San Diego's expensive. Oh yeah, very. I think a a master bedroom, you'd probably be paying about $1,300, for a master bedroom, which is pretty insane. I, my car insurance is 60 and I don't have a car payment. I paid that off about three years ago. Oh, great. Okay. So I'm kind of just waiting until I take care of it very well. So hopefully it lasts me another 10 years. <laughs> um, my cell phone bill is 100 So I'm still in the family plan. So me and my brothers take care of that payment. My parents don't really have to pay anything for that. So, oh, nice. so you pay for your parents. Yeah. Finally, I finally found someone else who does that. I know. I was excited. I was like, I think Barbara's going to be proud of me. I'm <laughs> very proud of you. That's really nice of you. Perfect. Um, car, uh, gas, I budget about 120 a month. Okay. I don't work too far from my home and I don't drive too much now that I reduced shipped. I don't, or Instacart just to make it a little easier. I don't drive as much, so I'm not using as much gas. And um, groceries, I budget about 300 a month for just myself. Okay. Um, let me see here. I have my gym membership, which is 109 a month. And then I budget for dining out about 150 for the month. And then fun money, which is just sometimes I just kind of dip in there if I you know want to buy anything or just extra coffee or whatnot, I budget another 150. Okay. And between Netflix and Experian, it's another $32. Okay. And then we do have a um, cleaning service that comes into our home twice a month. So my portion of that is about $50 a month. Okay. And then I do have one debt, which is my last store card. And this was um, obviously bad decisions from when I was in my early 20s. And (laughs) I'm still paying that one off. And that's the last piece that I have. Um, When I made the switch to the new employer, that's when I stopped working, shipped so much. So this was kind of just like the last card on the um, next on the list. Yeah. I still owe 2000 on that card. Okay. And then what do, what are you paying on that monthly? I pay 150 as of right now. Okay. Um, let me see if I'm missing anything else. So it looks like without the credit card, it comes to about 2100 a month. Yes. Perfect. And we got rent. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that is my current, current budget. Perfect. Okay. So you have a, a lot left over. I do. And the last two months that I've been in this new position, I've kind of just stashed it away. 
um, because I have just upcoming things to need that I need cash for. But at the same time, I just want to make sure I'm doing that the smartest way possible. Sometimes just stashing my entire leftovers is not the smartest thing. Yeah. So let's talk about, because you're engaged, so you have an upcoming wedding. Right. So let's talk about um, what you have saved so far. So the only debt we have right now is the 2000 on the, the credit card. Yes. Okay. And then what do you have for savings? For savings, I'm currently at 12100 Fantastic. And then do you have any, do you have a former retirement from your last job? No, I don't, Barbara. No, that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is totally fine. Okay. So, and what do you have coming up in the, on the horizon in terms of expenses? Do you have wedding expenses that are upcoming? Um, So I got engaged this year, March of 2021. And we decided that we wanted to do a two-year engagement and possibly book something for March of 2023. And that was with the intention of doing the side hustle, being debt-free, really setting ourselves up to make these decisions and pay for a wedding and then move in and all of that. So we're about six, seven months into our engagement and we're kind of toying with what to do next. Um, We want to keep saving until the end of the year. And our goal by December 31st is to have 20K saved. Oh, wow. Okay. And then is that going to be 20 each or 20 separate, like 20 combined? 20 combined. Combined. That's what I thought. Okay. So then you're going to contribute 10 and he's going to do 10? Uh, Yes, approximately. Okay. Okay. So you're not, I mean, you're technically already there, right? Because you have 12,000. 100. Okay. So let's figure this out. So we actually have, so you'll have, how many weeks do we have left in the year? So you should probably be able within the next two months to get the credit card paid off and then put another 2000 in the emergency fund. Right. Right. So then that would mean that you would have no more credit card and you would have 14, roughly 14,000 100 in the emergency fund, right? Yes. So then you would have your target of 10,000 for the wedding. You would also have 4,000 in the emergency fund, which would which is approximately like 2 months worth of money for you. Mm-hmm. So but also if you're going to do you think you would make over the next 2 months you would work like 4 times per ship? Yeah, that's my goal. My goal is to at least work for four times and then average about four to six hundred dollars a month. Perfect. Okay, so then I would put that on the in the emergency fund too. So let's just say over the next two months, then you make another. You think you would make another like a thousand dollars in that time frame? Yeah. Okay. All right. So then that gets the emergency fund up to fifteen thousand one hundred, right? right? So you've te- you can you can split it up because you still won't spend the 10,000 straight away for the wedding, right? Correct. Because it's, it'll be a bit of time out. So then you have 5,000 emergency fund, you have 10,000 in the wedding fund, right? right? And then what I want to do is if you continue doing the ship, then you can use that money to build the emergency fund. And then what I would like to do is add, get you in your 403B. I agree. So that, so I would earmark that to start that in two months, just so that you get the credit card done, you have your wedding fund allocated. And between the money from your paycheck and the ship money, after about two months, you'll have 
you know, 5,000 in an emergency fund, no credit card debt and the Mm -hmm. wedding fund done. Mm -hmm. So then what I would do is here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that we put you, we really put you in the 403B like pretty aggressively. And then you could allocate once you get that emergency fund up a bit higher, you could allocate some of those monies. Even if you go down to once a month and it's, you make 200 a month with that, that could be for a Roth. For shipped? Yeah. Got it. So starting, let's say January, I would then do shipped all into a Roth. Yep, exactly. Okay. And then January. So if I were, if I had like, let's say my plan is to stick to my budget until at least September of next year, because that's our plan to move in together and my budget will change most likely. Perfect. So from now until December, uh, September, I'm sorry, January until September from that 2100 that I have left over, how much do you think I should allocate to my 403B and then continue saving for the wedding just because I want to make sure I have a buffer in there? Yes. And then also to move out. So here's what I'm thinking, and I want you to hear me out on this. You have 2100 left or 2000 left over after the paycheck. I'm kind of thinking if we took, this is going to be a big number, if we took 1400 and put it in your 403B. Okay. Now, 1400 is, I'm thinking your 403B is probably only pre-tax. And now everybody always says that the Roth is the best. And I love the Roth. But I think since you're also, we, I want to get you into retirement because you don't have any yet. But I also want to right. make sure that you have enough money to save up an emergency fund because you are going to be moving. And that will be, you know, mm-hmm. you'll need money for that. You have the wedding mm-hmm. that we want to keep saving for. My thought is the pre-tax option will allow you to, I think we can do both. If we do the pre-tax work option, because it'll allow you to save more money. And then on the outside of that, you could also do you know, a Roth, a Roth IRA. And so I'm just going to look at the tax brackets and I'm not an accountant. So that's my disclaimer. Yeah. But I think for, with your bump up in income, you're probably losing a lot of that to taxes, right? Because the way right. our tax code works, is the it's like a staircase if you will so as you make more money those dollars pay more in tax now payroll averages that averages it out for you but right so basically as a single individual anything you know between like forty thousand and eighty six thousand approximately is going to be paying 22 percent now they average wow. it out so that's your your top that bracket so you have a lot of income in that bracket so my thought is mm-hmm. If you did the fourteen hundred a month, and we can figure out what the percentage is into the four hundred three b, that would work out to be sixteen thousand eight hundred a year going into the four hundred three b. So we're almost maxing out the amount, right. and we can see how it feels. But if you put fourteen hundred a month into the four hundred one k, you should actually only be missing probably like eleven hundred out of your paycheck. Because wow, because you're yeah. not going to be paying tax on that. Right. And this is kind of just to jumpstart my retirement. And then exactly. I could potentially bring that down if, you know, a year in or something. Yeah. So let's say a year in, your budget's going to change and that you, you can't swing that. Um, you could always bring it down. Because I'd like you to at least start, if that feels like too much, we could start with 10%. I just think you have it in your budget and it'll be a pre-tax option so you won't feel it as much. So mm-hmm. we could even start with, if you want to do less, we could do 80. You could start with a 12% contribution. That would be eight. 
so 80,000 and you do 12%, that's 9,600 a year. Mm-hmm. And so you'll miss less than $1,000 from your pay. Right. Monthly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's not, not too bad. So I would do, I was suggesting 1,400, which turns out to be a very large number. So you could play with it and see what you think is going to feel most comfortable to you. So I would shoot for somewhere between 10 and 16,000 contribution. Okay. That sounds good. And then continue that shipped money to the Roth. Yep, exactly. So I would either do 12. I, I, I did 20. 12 is a good number. So we could meet somewhere in the middle if you wanted to. Um, and mm-hmm. then I would do the ship money into the Roth. And then you have a, you're like really front load. What I'm trying to do is get a bunch of money into your retirement before you're 30. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I see. Definitely. That totally makes me want to just do the 1400. Yeah. Because then, <laughs> so then let's say, let's say you are able to continue the 1400, which is, which is, which is a lot. And you do 1400 and you do it. We'll just say for, let's say you stick with it for 36 months that gets 50,000 into your 401k by the, in the next three years. So by the time you're approximately mm-hmm. 30. And so then I'll just show you what that 50,000 is going to turn into. Okay. Cause then that I think will be attractive. So then at 40, that would be a hundred thousand, right? Just mm-hmm. assuming Compounding interest, 7.2% return. And then at 50, that would turn into approximately 200,000. And then at 60, that would turn into 400,000. And then at 70, which I know is like lifetime away, that would turn into 800,000. And that's if I were just to stop, crank it out these last year, these last years of my 20s yes. and stop. And stop. Correct. Oh, wow. I know. Okay. That's, that's cool. <laughs> Very, very, very cool. So, so, so even even though I know everyone always is like, well, you're better off doing the Roth, you can, you'll just, you're going to save like your marginal um, bracket, you, you know, your top tier bracket is 22%. And I think that we could get mm-hmm. all your other goals achieved, you know, like the wedding fund, the emergency fund. And then you could do this because you weren't, I mean, you were living on it to get the debt paid off, but you're not actually using the money. You know, it's not like it, you need it for your housing costs, right? It was, you, exactly. you were doing it for, so I would say stick with that mindset. And if you do the 1400 and, and if you can always go, you can ask them, but you can typically always go in and change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then not to throw an, a curveball. We, with this whole wedding situation, we were also toying the option of going into buying a home. Yay. Um, I was going to ask you. (laughs) And that's because my fiance's parents are just very, at least with him, his whole life, they've just done everything the right way to kind of help them set up and be the most responsible. And just, he's been contributing to his 403B like five years already. So they, they've encouraged us to look into that and they have generously um, first off, helped my fiance pay off his car to remove that from his um, income from, yeah, exactly from his budget. He's paying them back. It's just that now it's off of his report. And then also about 20 K for a down payment. So if I know we just went over like maxing out my 403 B and that sounds very attractive and I would want to do that. And I think I have time on our side. We don't necessarily have to buy a home now in the next year. It could be in the next four. But I guess my question is that we could get there sooner rather than later for a home or we could just 
do it within three, four years and just kind of take care of retirement, take care of ourselves now, and then save heavily for that down payment. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking. How, do you want to do the Roth or are you okay just doing the work plan? I'm honestly okay just doing the work plan um, if I'm going to get there, you know? <laughs> so yeah. if you need the Roth IRA, then I, I'm okay being flexible with that. Okay. Because here's what I'm thinking. And this is where there's no perfect answer, right? It's, you know, it's up to the individual person. There's no right or wrong. My thought is because you're you're single right now and you're at 80,000 of income and you're we don't have anything in retirement yet and I think we have an opportunity to really front load it. I like the pre-tax option because you're going to be able to put a lot away and save some taxes. Mm-hmm. So my thought is then maybe you don't do a Roth with the ship money. Maybe we just get you in the 403b and let's say then you have 800 a month coming extra with the paycheck plus whatever you make on the shipped money. Right. And so then that can go in the emergency fund or the wedding or the house fund. So then that's all towards those additional saving goals. Because by the time you start contributing to 403B, you'll have no credit card debt. You'll have $5,000 in emergency fund mm-hmm. and 10000 in a wedding fund. And you should still approximately with the shift if you made 800 a month on that or 600 a month. And then you had 800 left over from your paycheck. And let's just assume 600 from ship for the mm-hmm. month. That's another 1400 Yeah. So and I- so just look like, Let's just say that we you have that extra because we have two months before we get there before we start doing this. Right. So let's just say that we have another twelve months, right? Because it's still pre wedding. Right. That so that's fourteen hundred a month times twelve months. That's another sixteen thousand eight hundred. Sixteen, you said. Yep, sixteen thousand. Yeah, and that's just my income. Obviously, this podcast is for you know us, <laughs> not my fiance, but that's a whole other income. Yeah. So then. So then let's, so let's say, okay, so then basically then in, if you follow this, if you decide this, you like this and the numbers, you know, are all approximate, but then you're doing approximately 1400 into the 403B, right? Right. And then you should still have left over 800 a month from your set, from your paycheck. Mm -hmm. And then let's just say you make 600 a month from the shift, right? And you do that for 12 months, mm-hmm. then in 12 months time, you will have 16,800 in your 403B. If it, you're going to invest it, so hopefully the market goes up, but that's just what you're going to put in. Right. You're going to be able to save another 9,600 from your paycheck that we could go towards a down payment. Mm-hmm. And then this, the ship money would be another 7,200. So you could even split the difference with yourself there and say 3,600 goes towards the house fund and 3,600 goes into my emergency fund because your emergency fund will have been at 5,000, right? Right. So now you have it. So in 12 months, we're really 14 because two months to get rid of the credit card debt, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So then you have 8,600 as your emergency fund from that basically by the end of 2022, right? Right. That would be... So that would be your emergency fund by the end of 2022. You still have the 10,000 saved for the wedding, right? Right. And now in addition to that, you have, oops, I did that backwards, 9,600. And then you have the 3,600. You have 13,000 for the house fund. Mm -hmm. And you have 16,000 in the 401k, uh, 403B. Yeah. And you have no debt. And that's just year one. And that's just year one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so then even if, 
would, however it plays out from that point on, even if you only keep up on the four or three B and you can do that for another two years, Mm -hmm. then that's where you end up, you know, another two years of 1400 is another 33,600 into the 403B. And that's where you get to that magic number mm-hmm. right around the time you're 30. And then you still, and that's with saving nothing else but the 403B the next the two years following. And then you still have 13,200 for the house, mm-hmm. the 10,000 for the wedding and the 8,600 emergency fund. Yeah, I like it. I think I need to take care of my retirement and just be able to max that out. And then not to mention, I'm, I'm at the tail end of 27. So you know, I have less time now in my 20s. And then, you know, buying a home is definitely in the in the books, but I don't think it needs to be, you know, within the next year or two, it can always be, you know, when we're um, a little bit more prepared in about three. Yeah, I think three years is the perfect amount because, and if we, if you focus on short-term Obviously, the next two months, get rid of the credit card debt, mm-hmm. add some more to an emergency fund, and then go strong on the retirement. And then in three years' time, you know, the wedding will have been done. You can aggressively save for uh, a down payment. But to me, if you can get about 50000 in your retirement by the time you're 30, 31, I think, as you see with the compounding of interest, it's just incredible. Right. Yeah. And for all the names, because other people will be like, oh, it should all be Roth. It can totally be Roth, but 1400 coming out of your going in, if, it, if, they, if they offer a Roth option, not everyone offers the Roth option. If they were to offer the Roth option, 1400 a month into your 403B is 1400 a month out of your pocket. So right. by doing the pre-tax option, you're deferring that tax at that highest bracket, which is 22%. Yeah, and that's definitely my take home. Yep. Yeah. So you'll, your effective tax bracket will be a little bit better. So that's why I would do it that way, especially because if they, are they issuing you a 1099 shipped for? Yeah, yeah they are. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So then, so then even with that, then you're, they, it depends on how much you make, but if you go over 86,000 in 2021, you'll, you'll be in the 24% bracket as a single person. That's kind of another reason why I'm glad I'm not doing ship so heavily. Just being 1099 makes me a little nervous just to be making that much amount. So um, that was another reason. Yeah. The 403B will help because it'll be pre-tax. So it'll lower your taxable income. Yeah. So I think that's the way to go. And then that way it can allow you to save a lot and you can do that just for 36 months and then you can reevaluate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. I mean, I feel, I feel good with my budget and the plan, at least for the next two months, that's very, very clear. And then the next year or two, I definitely want to send to 403B just as aggressively as I can. And then uh, obviously the plan is for, for me to keep growing in my career and increase my income. So as that starts happening, then you know, that'll give me a little bit more wiggle room too. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can always switch to the Roth option inside of your work plan. Mm -hmm. So once you, let's say, once you get to that 50,000 and, you know, you have more in your emergency fund then, and you know, you know, you're married and you kind of, you've combined finances maybe, or you have a better plan for the down payment. You could say, you know what, I don't need to put as much in the pre-tax option. I'm going to split it. You know, I'm going to go half Roth, half pre-tax. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I wanted to be a part of this uh, podcast because I said, I can't, I have, I'm, I'm living on 50% of my income right now and saving it just aggressively isn't really going to get me anywhere. I mean, it will gives me the opportunities to do things with it, but I, I should be smarter about that. Yes. I, I think you've done a really great job. I think the key now is just ramping. I think because you're used to living on so little of your in your income. And I'm a big proponent of that. I did the exact same thing in my 20s. And I highly recommend it because mm -hmm. it's amazing to see what that account is worth now, you know, 10 years right. later. Yeah, definitely. Okay, sounds good. I'm so I'm really excited now. Just oh, good. The number that you shared. I said, Okay, I want that. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty incredible because the nice thing, the reason why I really like it is because, you know, you're saving 50% of your income, you're used to it, you're comfortable with it. And mm -hmm. also, at least for me, and I'm not going to assume the same for you, but when I was in my 20s, everybody else was budgeting, right? Or like mm -hmm. on a tighter budget. And so it was easy. It was easier, I think, from like social pressures to be like, no, I can't afford to do this or I have to, you know, I'm cutting back here. And then the payoff on it was great because then you know when I bought the business when I was in, in my late 20s I started early 20s I was very aggressive with the re retirement I had to tone it down a little because mm -hmm. I didn't have the funds yeah but I didn't have to worry about it as much because I'd already put so much in so early so it was like okay to take a step back to then buy a business which you know took two steps back to take a few steps right. forward but yeah, it's people don't think about that. That's why when you said you were 27, I, and I was like, I think we have a real, especially because you're doing such a good job with the budgeting and you're so mm -hmm. on, on track with it. I think you have a real opportunity to kind of front load your retirement. And then you could always yeah. tone it down or you could always switch to Roth. Like there's a lot of options. Yeah. And I well. think it's a good time to do that too, because I mean, I'll be getting married within a year and a half, but also I don't have any kids right now and I can really front load that 403B. Um, and then just kind of prepare myself for when I do have kids, I can probably decrease my contribution a little bit. Um, yeah, if you need it to, because you've already kind of set it up mm -hmm. and it's just going to be cooking behind the scenes there. And also when you get married, what what do you know approximately what your fiance makes? Yeah, he makes about 60 right now. Um, and our monthly income then would be close to 8,000. Um, it just depends because he has the option for overtime. Perfect. It can be from seven to eight on a month monthly basis. Okay. And so then married filing joint, if you were to be married this year, so with 80 and 60, it would be 140. Um, you would be in the 22% bracket. So kind of similar to where you are now, but with your shipped income, you, you run the risk of bumping yourself up into 24. Yeah. And you, right. and you, the 22% bracket for married filing joint is much larger. So you can make up to 172,000 in that bracket. Yeah. Trust me. I thought about it. So let's get married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Save the money on taxes. No, you, you can, you can reduce your taxable income by using the 403B. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, that sounds great. And it wasn't always like this. I think the beginning of this year and even just prior to, I, I was really into, I was really in heavily in credit card debt and it was like paycheck to paycheck. No idea how I would get out of it until just shipped came around. And I said, this is my opportunity. And I took it. Um, and I think I'll have to pay the consequences of just making that much. I made about 16,000. Wow. So in just eight months. So I, you know, I'm ready to kind of see what I'm going to have to do with um, taxes. 
but you know, but I think it was just a sacrifice I had to do. Yeah, I think that that's great. Because I think that some people, it takes them longer to be like, I don't want to live my life like this. I'm working mm-hmm. too hard to be paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So, And that was exactly the comment that kind of just got to me was from my mom. She says, I mean, aside from that, no one really knew about the credit card debt. Not my oh. fiance. Well, he was my boyfriend at the time and not my family or friends. Um, and I knew we would be getting engaged soon. So I knew I had to do something about it fast. And then we both kind of came clean and he also did his side hustles and he also got out of debt so that we both could be just kind of ready for the next steps. But she did say, she said, she didn't know I was in debt, but she says, you know, there's some people out there who work hard for their money, but they're still paycheck to paycheck. And they went to, they, you know, they got their education and they're in this great career, but they're still paycheck to paycheck. And that just really mm-hmm. got to me. I said, you know, I've worked so hard to be where I am to be paycheck to paycheck. So no, this is, you will make some short term sacrifices to do this and then you'll, it'll change your financial trajectory forever. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. Good. Congratulations. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Barbara. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited. I'll have to listen back. I took notes, but I'll um, listen back just to make sure that, you know, I follow your guidance. And then if, I need to adjust then I will, but ultimately I'm, I'm really looking forward to maxing, maxing out my, my 403B. Yay. I love a good retirement plan. Well, for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us for our most up-to-date information on Instagram, Future Rich Podcast, and you can check out our online courses in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.futurerichpodcast.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.